How powerful is the Cox Network? So powerful that one day, the internet will let your doctor perform miracles from thousands of miles away. Connecting to remote operating room. Giving a whole new meaning to the term house call. Operation complete. The Cox Network. With gig speeds everywhere, it's internet built for tomorrow, today. Cox, bringing us closer. In Cox serviceable areas, speeds vary and are not guaranteed. Cox terms apply. Other restrictions may apply. Welcome to the Tea for the Queen podcast, the podcast where we try to keep our sanity in an era of staying woke. We explore current events and issues through the lens of feminism, progressive thought, discussion, peace, and love. My name is Tiara Burns. I am your host, and this is your episode. So as you guys know, during the first year of the pandemic, so many people moved around. Some people left rural cities. A lot of people went to those rural cities. Some people bought houses. Um, some people left the country. There was just a lot of movement that's been going on in the past year. But have you ever thought about packing up all your shit and just going somewhere you've always wanted to go? I don't know about you. I have, and I plan to do that. But today we are talking to Miss Sierra Reed. She is originally from North North California, and now she resides in New York City. Sierra moved to New York in 2020, right in the nick of time before lockdown happened. I know you guys will enjoy her perspective and hearing about her story. I had such a good time talking to her. I'll see you on the other side. Sierra, on this episode, we're talking about your journey and how you basically restarted your life in New York City. Um, How long have you been in New York? I have been in New York for almost one year. So I think 11 months, like we're right now, because it'll be one year next month. So what was the moment when you decided to come to New York? Did you come to the city first and visit it? So my first trip to New York was in May of 2017, and it was a work trip at the time. And my amazing boss at the time, Liz Hole, shout out to you because you were great, still are. Um, You know, we did some of the touristy things, whatever. But in that first trip, I was like, oh, I, I really like New York. Like this, this just feels right. And then I went again for a different work trip over the summer had a good time. And in moving here, it's just like, this is where I was supposed to be. Like New York is where I'm supposed to be. My friends that have known me since like childhood, college, whatever, have even said, even your dog looks happier. And I was like, yeah, just like we were supposed to be in New York, I guess. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so It's funny you say that because I don't know if you know this, but I spent 2020 in the UK and my long story, I went over there to visit my parents for a short, short trip, ended up stuck for the whole year. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Huh? Wonder how that happened. I don't know. I don't know. You know, I don't know something, but 
Um, it's so funny when people, when I still go back and visit people who like, you know, know me, they're like, you look so happy, so much happier there. Why don't you just stay? You just look, your skin is clearer. Have you lost weight? And I'm just like, no, (laughs) none of that's happened. They're like, so I think it's very interesting when, I don't know, maybe our higher self is comfortable in a certain location, um, that it just reflects on us physically and then everything around us just kind of glows. So I'm happy that you followed that and you decided to go to New York. Now I did, as you know, I did do some research. Um, and I want to talk about the, you know, what was the, um, the impetus of your decision to make the jump? Uh, my last job, I was super unhappy. Like, I'm not even going to sugarcoat it. Like, I fucking hated it there. I was so unhappy <laughs> for a lot of reasons. And a big one for me was we're basically a glorified, like, marketing company. Like, we aren't making the food. We're not, like, doing any of that. I'm much more productive when I'm at home on a personal level. There's also a pandemic happening. I don't know. No big deal. Throughout the, like, beginning, like, before the pandemic in the beginning, like, I was seeing this person, we'll say Kyle. We're going to use Kyle's name, not their name, FYI. And nice person. I want to be very clear. Kyle is a nice person. Not a good match for me. Things that I have worked through, had to work through. But anyways, relationship didn't work out. It's fine. I was like, moving on. What? So I'm looking for a job. Okay. And I'm thinking like, okay, I either need to be hybrid or fully remote. And I started, you know, looking for jobs that are either fully remote or jobs in other cities. I had been ready to move out of the state of California for years. It was just a lot harder before the pandemic to do, like to try and get interviews in other cities or states. I started plugging away, made a little list of places I thought of living. Dallas was on the list at one point. I had uh, Portland, Seattle, Nashville, uh, Austin was, Raleigh, you know, New York, London was also on the list. I, uh, you know, thought about going internationally. I was like, but I need to go somewhere that's an English-speaking country because... <laughs> The I, my best friend lived in Paris for a bit, and I wanted to do the most I could to set myself up for success. Truthfully, not because I, like I'm immune to learning other languages, not at all. I lived in California, okay. <laughs> Lots of friends of various varying ethnic backgrounds, okay. I just wanted to set myself up for the most success. Anyways, I'm looking for a job, and Kyle and I are like still cordial. He's orbiting, whatever. At the time, I'm fine with it. Okay, wait, define orbiting, because I am i haven't heard that term before. Oh, so basically someone that is still viewing your, like, Instagram stories and, like, mm. interacting with your social. Orbiting. Following along, gotcha. right? Not completely out. Yeah. Yeah. So we were chatting, we were texting, and... He drops that he has a girlfriend. Okay. So, like, I saw, I'm, I'm the one that was like, I can't do this anymore. Like, in November of 2020, fine. Like, this, so this is happening in March, this conversation. I was like, okay, like, yeah, like, fine, whatever. You know, it's been a few months. The kicker for me on an emotional level was when he basically said they got together, like, right after. <laughs> 
I said, I can't do this anymore. And he was the one saying like, I can't be in a relationship. I was like, oh, hmm. that did not feel good. Again, my own yeah. issues. I have a therapist. She's lovely. All that to say is I was like, I am fucking out of here. Fuck this. I immediately was like, cool, where we go? Like, I'm out. Like, no, I'm not staying here. I'm out of California. My lease is up in May. Here we go. It's like time to GTFO. I talked with my friend Justin about you know, looking at jobs. And he's like, Sarah, just come to New York. Come to New York. Like, it has everything you want. You know you want to live here. And I thought about it and was like, you know what? You're right. And I tweeted, I was like, I will one day live in New York. And this was in early March of last year. And within a month, I had an offer and was on my way to New York. That's beautiful. That's beautiful. Yeah, the impetus was I hated my job mm-hmm. and was emotionally hurt by the person that I was dating during the pandemic mm-hmm. and was ready to leave. Are you in the place where you're kind of happy that it happened that way with the breakup? I've had enough time to reflect on it. And the answer is I am happy because I don't want to be with someone where I'm the one saying like, hey, we should talk about this. Like, what's going on? I can't be the person who is constantly starting the more difficult or like, you know, important, challenging conversations. Uh, I'm not do. I'm done doing the emotional heavy lifting. Uh, but I can tell you that no relationship has ever held me back from doing what I want to do. When I was dating someone in 2012, when I, like, after college, I was home and was looking for a new job. And I was back in Sacramento at the time, that's where I'm from. And I got a job in the Bay Area and was like, peace, like, I'm taking this job. Like, we'll figure it out. <laughs> I'm not not taking this job. Because I don't, I don't know how you meet these people because I'm kind of like you. Um, I moved around quite a bit, <laughs> um, <laughs> and I know that I'm not done. Like I'm just in Texas to finish up my grad school degree, and I'm out. Um, but I have not been able to meet anyone who's okay with me saying, "Hey, I'm fine with long distance. That doesn't bother me." Oh, I but, didn't say this was a good person. I just want to be very clear. I did okay. not say that. Michael, I'm using, you know, other names. Generic uh, names. Okay, I got you. Mm-hmm. I'm not saying Michael was a good person. Mm-hmm, Michael was mm-hmm. definitely cheated and other things. Okay, um, okay. But, you know, I'm, I'll never forget watching, I think it was Felicity when I was a kid with my mom. Oh, throwback. Yeah. Okay. I want to say it's Felicity. And my mom and dad, for sure my mom made the comment of, you do not base decisions about your life around another person because I think she ended up going to school like chasing a guy whom she wasn't even in a relationship with. Yeah. And my parents were like, eh, you will not be doing that. <laughs> so I love that. Yeah. I it's so funny. My first professor in college, I used to, my first major was journalism. Um, she was a producer at NPR. She left that for a job to come to Illinois. And she didn't have, and I, I was just like, what? And she actually got up in class and said, 
do not make your life decisions for, she said, for a man. That's what she said. Uh, yeah, I, my parents assumed I was straight at this point. They might have read my diary. I don't know. I am. Uh, but, <laughs> you know, that's basically what they said, too. And it stuck with me. That's good. So how is New York City now? Like, how are you liking it? One out of ten. Uh, a hundred. Okay. Okay. But yeah. I adore New York City and everything that it has to offer. I believe in walkable cities and public transit and bikeable cities for a lot of reasons. Yeah. You know, I live between, like, they're about a mile each, like, two libraries, actually, like, three. Now I think about it, there's another one that's just a little further. And I love going to the library and picking up new books to read. I'm not far from a dog park to take my dog to the dog park. He also loves the subway. Like, he loves going on the subway because he also knows it means we're going on a trip. So we're going somewhere fun. Normally. Uh, the people, they are my people. I don't know why people say that New Yorkers are not nice. They absolutely are. <laughs> I think the hardest thing for me was that last summer, it rained every single long weekend that we had, which is hilarious. I think the only one it didn't rain on because my sister was here actually was Juneteenth. No, no, I was there Juneteenth. It rained. Yes, it rained. <laughs> I was at Prospect Park and I was like, is it raining? And we ended up in oh, it did rain. Tunnel. It, it did, did rain. It because rained. my dog accidentally chewed part of my sister's jacket and we had to go find her a new rain jacket. Yeah. It was it was very disappointing that week. I was not happy weekend. I was not happy about it. But these things happen. It's okay. Yeah. Um like so you water child and you know, being able to take the subway to the beach, you know, even far mm-hmm. around like whatever just fills my little heart with joy. Yeah, that's something I tell people. So people always ask me, Oh, why don't you want to stay in Texas? You know, it's so much cheaper here. You can buy a house for pennies, like you can and I'm like there's more, <laughs> more to living conditions than that. Um, being, being in the UK in 2020, and then last year I was in DC, and those are very walkable places, you know. And mm-hmm. then go, go, doing all of that, coming from Texas, where an average commute just to do something is 30 minutes, you know, it's it's a very different, very different feel. And also walk, being able to walk around the neighborhood and see people and see common things that helps with your with your happiness and your mental health. Um, so it must because, you know, like I am so much happier. Yeah. Even with the even with the weather being the way that it is during the winter, you still have that happiness because of the convenience and just the way life is. So you've been in New York for one year. Um, what have been some of the things that you've learned about yourself internally since you've been in the city? And and, and I want to take, I'm going to, cause you know, this podcast, we talk about things from the lens of, of, uh, of feminism. So I'm going to ask, you know, what has been like, what has been like for you um, growing as a woman in yeah. 
So one of the things that I've been working on when you talk to feminism or like, and as a woman is really finding my voice and understanding actually like why I have sought out dysfunctional relationships. Uh, fun fact. And <laughs> yeah, you know, uh, I'm relatively smart, you know, like average, like, Average. Don't sell yourself short. Don't do that. Uh, <laughs> and look, you know, I had a therapist before. I have a now, and just really starting to understand what happened in my life that has led to this point. I know that I don't want this. I know ideally like what I'm looking for in another person. And yet I've been in many like fun and dysfunctional relationships and moving to New York has just really allowed me to put myself first and start thinking about those things and making it a priority because I am exploring not only the city, but like, what do I want? And what does that look like? And so, you know, great therapist. I've read a few various books over the last, you know, six months or so. And I absolutely love my parents. They were wonderful. They did the best that they could, you know, the resources they had, you know, their upbringings, whatever. Uh, And they're a great example to me that people can change. Like, People can change. They don't, they're small things, but, you know, lots of small T trauma can lead to big T trauma, right? And just because, like, I use small T doesn't, you know, negate that it could be big T. And my dad was the one who even said that on the phone when I was talking to him one Sunday. There's that. And uh, I currently live in Bedside because I grew up in primarily white areas. Another thing that also has a massive effect on, you know, how my inner voice, how I see myself, understand myself and, you know, the ways in which I have navigated the world for now 35 years. I wanted to be somewhere where I saw more people that look like me. Uh, My parents worked super hard so that we could live in a suburb. And I could go to like, excellent. I lived in Oakland for a while uh, and then moved to Alameda. But hey, hey, gentrification, like it's real, whatever. But like Oakland was one of the first times I was like, oh, wait, lots of lots more brown people. (laughs) Wait a second. This is cool. Black people, like black lesbians and like people and like oh oh away oh, and then I lived in Sacramento again for about two years and then when I did move to New York like I moved into bedside because I just really wanted to have that experience and that feeling around me you know walking outside in my bonnet because I still have my rollers in my hair and like I do not have any like feelings of like judgment or nerves or the fear of like perception and, you know, moving in and out of like white spaces, code switching or et cetera. Well, like I can just 
be me. And I think that has also given me the ability to start thinking about those other things. Like, why am I seeking these dysfunctional relationships? Why do I keep repeating certain patterns? Because I'm just more comfortable. Wow. So do you think that you being brought up in a mostly white environment has affected your um, your patterns and how you relate to oh, relationships and your patterns and I say that we have a long way to go for a lot of people, but I'm going to speak as a black woman and for myself. Okay. Very clear. This is for myself, everyone. <laughs> the answer is yes. The feedback I would get from the world essentially was that I'm not pretty enough. I'm not thin enough. I'm not enough to be valuable. And then there's the other side of being like a cis straight woman and the messages that I had received, like I am glad to see that these things are slowly changing, but like whether they're direct or indirect, right? Messages of also worth being attached to being partnered. And that it's essentially a moral and personal failing if you are not. And really having to like overcome that feeling in those messages. And part of that is why I would stay in situations that I deserved better because of, you know, the fear of like being alone or being seen as not valuable and being unlovable and, you know, the world, the way that it treats us. I mean, hell, like single tax, like tax code. <laughs> yo, man. You know, yo, man. Can my dog be a dependent? Like, yo. <laughs> yeah, can I, can I count my plants? <laughs> So I would, so like, yes, because in those environments, like it is not a place where. How powerful is the Cox network? So powerful that one day the internet will let your doctor perform miracles from thousands of miles away. Connecting to remote operating room. Giving a whole new meaning to the term house call. Operation complete. The Cox network with gig speeds everywhere. It's internet built for tomorrow, today. Cox, bringing us closer. In Cox serviceable areas, speeds vary and are not guaranteed. Cox terms apply. Other restrictions may apply. People who look like me or similar to me, so tangential, are often the, like, celebrated and the ones being told, like, you are ideal, et cetera, et cetera. So over time, those messages, like, really did do a number on me individually. And there's like toxic positivity and self-love ain't going to be the way out of it. You know, like a lot of other things. Okay. Tell me more about this toxic positivity. Oh, yeah. And do you, you say toxic self-love? Have you watched that. I actually just watched it. Yes. Like, of course. Weekend. I've been seasons one and season two. Okay. And there's a scene okay. with Kat when mm-hmm. these models show up and they're like, love yourself. Or like, I wish I could look like you. Or oh, you don't understand that this was built by a cis white man, like this body. And I thought that was such an accurate reflection of what is actually happening to most people. We don't have the freedom 
to be able to have those moments of like, I feel badly about myself for whatever reason. And because we're told like, oh, love yourself or like, but it's the patriarchy and blah, blah, blah. Sure. Those things can also be tr- or couldn't be true, but it's also important for us to be able to have that freedom in the room to like feel the emotion, to talk about it and it not be turned around into like some kind of like happiness or whatever. I've had to have conversations with my friends in the last several years as I have gone through therapy and working on things for myself around, you know, the, oh, but you're so strong. You'll be okay. Yo, fuck off, man. I had to tell people that. Like, I am crying right now. I don't want to be strong. How many times you see me cry if you're going to sit here and say you're so strong? Please let me cry. (laughs) You know, Mm -hmm. allow me to have the emotions so that I can process this and hopefully, like, start to get to a Mm -hmm. better place. But when we live in an environment that is forcing us to kind of bury that, becomes toxic. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> wow. You said a lot there. <laughs> um, I need to go back because I don't remember that happening in Euphoria. I have to it's say that. It's in I season two. What, what season was that? Was that season one? I can't one remember. What, I think it's like season two, episode okay, four, okay. maybe. But yeah. Okay. I'll go back and look at it. Euphoria gives me, I have to emotionally recover from euphoria. So, um, no, I think, I think that's really true. What you said about having to just be honest about it. And I think as black women, sometimes we're not allowed to have to be completely human. Um, it's so easy for people to put us Angry, in the strong. box of, um, what do you call it? Mm-hmm angry, strong, Mm -hmm. can do anything, hyper successful. And it's just like, I'm above all of that. I am fully human. And as some, something that I am had, I've dealt with that myself is dealing with the guilt of not being present during 2020, because I was like, I need to be the one struggling and on the front lines of the fight with black lives matter. But I've realized that I also am entitled to relax. I'm entitled to cry. I'm entitled to have a bad day and not smile about it. So I think it's, I think it's really beautiful that you've come to that. And I know that for you, it's, it's probably not a, um, oh no, it's not something uh, that is a one. I have therapy every other Sunday. Yeah. And, one of the things that oh, wow, that's good. I am working through still is feeling and emotions because, you know, grew up in an environment where, you know, my dad used to make the joke. <laughs> He's like, I, I have two people skills, one or three people skills, one for you, one for your sister, one the rest of the world has to share. And the other one was like, he openly says when he was younger, he only recognized like happiness and anger as emotions. You know, my mom, the other day we were talking and something happened and not good. Like it was bad. Like it's awful what happened. And she said, you know, but I didn't cry because what's crying going to solve? And I was like, you know, mom, I totally understand what you're saying. 
And this is something I'm working on. And the way I have to frame it to myself sometimes is give yourself the freedom to. Like allowing myself the freedom to cry. Allowing myself the freedom to feel sad. And recognizing that the longer I continue going throughout this, that I other bad things will happen for me. Uh, but also not feeling and recognizing my emotions plays out in different ways. One of which is I continuously bottle it up and then like maybe I drop a glass and like that's the thing that like sends me over the edge of being upset. Uh, it's also one of the things that causes me to also not recognize how I'm feeling about someone else when I'm dating. And like, I become colorblind and my red flags are now green. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) You know, it makes it so that I won't express something that's bothering me or whatever. And so for that, for Kyle, the relationship, and then... We'll use John, person that I like was seeing for a little bit in New York for a moment. There has been a lot of growth, I can say, even just between previous to Kyle, with Kyle, with John, and my ability to be like, mm, no, like I'm going to say something and, and quote, consequences be damned. It's not how they respond is how they respond. I can only control myself and I need to do better about recognizing my emotions and feeling them and then expressing them. That's excellent. Um, wow. Um, so it sounds like what you're doing right now, you've not only have you physically moved to another place, but you've also kind of moved into a place in your, um, your spiritual walking, your, oh, yes. your mental health walk as well. Is that correct? Uh, my mental health. Yeah. That's good. Is one of my main sorry, go on. focuses. Um, starting with, I was diagnosed with adult ADHD in, last summer. And it makes so much sense. And in the way that I present at work, like how I show up, I should say, at work, in my personal life, and other aspects of my life. So like, that was really great to be able to have that and that, you know, I am someone that uses medication to manage my ADHD. And that's what works for me because I had tried lots of other things, other tactics, and Psychiatrist's like, all right, it's time for us to let's do this. And yeah, legitimate real world change. So there's that on top of, you know, managing just the mental health from an anxiety and depression standpoint. Um, you know, trigger warning, like someone, me, I have had like in the past suicidal ideation you know, and like real depression, real anxiety. I don't need medication for those. But at this moment in my life, I haven't needed medication previously. But like those are very real things, you know. Um, And 
It's why I actively go to therapy and I try and talk about my mental health and just make sure that it's way less stigmatized, especially for the people of color, uh, LGBTQIA individuals and women. And especially if you are across any of those uh, spectrums or intersectionalities. So how are you communicating ADHD to the people in your life? Because I have ADHD, not medicated. Um, I would love to have a, a regimen, but I'm just not there yet. And I have a difficult time communicating that to people. Like one of my, one the thing I deal with every day is executive dysfunction. It kicks, it kicks my ass all the time. And I don't know how to tell people, Hey, I had an off day today. Yeah. But I'm still I think those you are know, present. You know what I mean? Hard um, conversations to have because it's basically it's a not visible disability at the end of the day. It's like non-neurotypical and it's a lot of us have grown up thinking it presents one way and another thing it doesn't, especially in women uh and young girls. It often presents very differently. And lucky for me, I actually had two managers, like now that I have a diagnosis where who were also people with ADHD. So it's very easy for me there. I think as I, you know, if I were to be looking for a new job or, you know, talking with someone differently that maybe isn't as familiar, you know, I actually like to use a lot of TikToks when or short form video content to help explain something when I can't find the words. I'm a big fan of music, like probably every other hearing person out there, you know, we all have our things and that's something that music can do a lot of times, right? When we don't have the words, there's often a song or there's lyrics or a poem or, you know, even Game of Thrones is one of my favorite books. And there's a quote from I have I've read books one, two, and three. I'm currently on uh, a piece of prose right now. There's a quote from uh, Barrett Dondarrion. It's something along the lines of, uh, "Every time I come back, I'm a little less." And like that's something I felt like I, you know, when I was really like sad, like you know, going through things. All that to say is, I try and find other resources to help explain something if I can't, and I'll share those. I also like for what works for me is I'm a pretty open and transparent person and sitting at a director level, I like to share those pieces of information about myself so that maybe more junior employees know that I'm someone they can talk to if they need, you know, someone who's not their manager or whatever, because they're having an issue and I'm there to help them like, maybe find a way of working through it, you know. Wow. Um, that's incredible. I do want to talk to you about a little bit about your transparency. I know that, oh, it's 444, make a wish. Um, I know that, um, I know that you have your YouTube channel. Um, you guys have to listen to it by, I mean, not listen to it. I keep saying listen to it because I'm a podcaster, but go watch it. 
Um, and you told me you're working on a piece of content right now and you're going to be sharing your credit score. How are you able to get to that level of vulnerability? Because, yeah. honey, I could not, um, I could not do that. So for um, anyone yeah. listening, uh, yes, my next video, I shot it today. I will be doing editing possibly tonight and tomorrow. We'll see. And yeah, I will be sharing my credit score, which for listening, it is currently at a 595. Pause for dramatic effect. And I'm sharing this because I had a conversation (laughs) with a colleague recently and then one of my best friends. And I was super honest with them about this because they're people I'm incredibly close to. And they both mentioned like, wow, like I wish more people would be this transparent because it makes me feel a lot better because, you know, similar situations, you know, maybe like less than seller credit or, you know, the other one unable to currently save money because they're working on, you know, paying off debts, et cetera. And it is, there's so much shame. There's just so much shame. You know, we live in a culture of personal responsibility, you know, and don't talk about, yeah, hustle culture, personal responsibility, or like, don't get avocado toast. No, man, people got to live. And it's lonely too, because we don't talk about it. It feels incredibly lonely and people can feel like a failure. You know, I, in my video, I go through how I got there. And the truth of the matter at the end of the day is that uh, when I took this new job, I started making enough money to be able to fix things. It's a living wage issue. And I am, you know, black woman, we know, you know, pay discrepancies there, for especially other women. If you're someone who, you know, is in school, if you are someone who went to school and have a ton of debt afterwards, like, think about it. You can go to school and become a doctor, right? Get an MD, but not get into a residency program. How messed up is that? You just took on all this debt. All this debt. How are you going to pay it off? You know, and it can just feel so lonely and like there's no way out or like, man, like what are my options? And I just wanted to share that story because on one side, like, yeah, these were the the circumstances I was in and this is what happened. And I made some bad decisions. Okay. Like it's okay, but I'm more than my decisions. And so those bad decisions and so are you. And on the other side of the coin, it's I am making a living wage now so I can start fixing some of these things. Like one thing was like I paid off my car loan in August of last year, right? And my credit score had been going up and after I paid it off, like there was a dip and it just like hasn't recovered. Currently until April 1st, I believe, you can pull your three credit reports every week for free throughout the pandemic until April 1st. I hope they extend it. And so I've pulled my reports multiple times. Do not know why it took a 26-point dip and hasn't recovered. 
I don't, the whole credit system, and I think I think we put, huh? It is a scam, and it's new too. Like it's barely older than you and I. That's you know exactly. But it has it has so much weight on your life, which is ridiculous. And and not only not only does it have weight on the things that you can do and how you can move as as a proper adult, but also socially, it has weight. Like I've been on dates and people have asked me, what's my credit score? And I'm just like, wait a second. Now it is, <laughs> but it just is, there is a social weight there. Like these things that just don't have much, there's judgment there. Nobody wants that. And it makes you kind of not want to deal with, I don't know. Sometimes I don't want to deal with people at all, but I'm working through that. I'm working through that. <laughs> yeah. Well, we are, we have to close now. I'm so sad about that because I, I feel like we were just getting good. But um, so you did mention some books that you read. So what are you reading yeah, right um, now? And I want to share a recommendation. One of the books I so. recently read was The Unexpected Joy of Being Single. That was something that brought to light some things that I had never thought about uh, personally. And the funny part is like, I didn't have the same childhood or any of the things that the, or the experiences as the author, but it still helped me put together pieces of my own life. Just reframing. I recently read uh, adult children of emotionally immature parents. Uh, and, uh, I asked my parents to read it. My mom listened to the audiobook, and we've had some great chats. My dad is currently reading it, you know, moving through that. Some fun books that I've read recently, The Maidens, really enjoyed that. Daisy Jones and the Six, that was a, an exciting read. Uh, Local Woman Missing. I'm trying to go through some various, you know, genres. And So We Meet Again. It's fiction. It's uh, it's kind of a love story, like in the end-ish. But it's the story of a Korean-American young woman essentially like finding her voice and her passion. Yeah, she happened to live in New so York sure City connecting before, with that. I and love then, that. you know, goes back home to Nashville for a bit, so. Sierra, tell us where we can find you on the internet. You can find me across basically all social media, from TikTok to Triller to Instagram to Twitter, you name it, I'm probably there because of what I do for work, at I am as in Mary underscore the HBIC. Is that is that head bitch in charge? It sure shit okay. is. Good. Okay. <laughs> All right. Thank you so much, Sierra. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. That's our show, guys. Thank you guys so much for listening. Remember to give us five stars on the Apple iTunes podcast app. If you want to reach out to the show, hit us up at contact for the queen at gmail.com. Don't forget to check out Sierra's work or anything. If you have any questions about New York or anything like that, reach out to her at 
the underscore HBIC anywhere on social media. My name is Tierra Burns. This has been Tea for the Queen. Stay woke, stay well, and stay thriving. How powerful is the Cox Network? So powerful that one day, the internet will let your doctor perform miracles from thousands of miles away. Connecting to remote operating room. Giving a whole new meaning to the term house call. Operation complete. The Cox Network, with gig speeds everywhere. It's internet built for tomorrow, today. Cox, bringing us closer. In Cox serviceable areas, speeds vary and are not guaranteed. Cox terms apply. Other restrictions may apply.